Hi everyone, today I'm chatting with Pablo, an old friend of mine from Argentina. We talk about his mini retirement and how he saved up enough money to leave Argentina and travel around Europe for 12 months. We talk about how he planned his entire trip, how it feels to do a mini retirement and what he learned about himself and the world. And we also talk about his own attitude towards money management. I've really enjoyed this episode and I hope you do too. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Arminta, and Matthias. Hello, everyone. Today, I am here with Pablo, a uh, friend of mine that I've known for about over a year. Pablo, thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me. So I'm quite excited for today's episode because I've known you for like over a year. So it's, it's cool to have an interview with an old friend. And today we're, we're going we're gonna to talk a bit about mini retirements, which is a, a term that we like in the FI world. And um, we're going to talk about your mini retirement. But before we dive in, could you quickly tell us who you are and maybe what it is that you, you're doing at the moment? Yeah, sure. So I am Pablo Carbonell. I am from Argentina. I am 27 years old. I am currently living in Europe, in Athens, precisely. And I just realized today, actually, uh, because uh, Facebook reminded me uh, a memory, that uh, it has been already two years since I haven't had a permanent home. It's quite interesting, and I never stopped to think about it, but I think I could define myself uh, in a short words like a, a nomad or digital nomad. I was never a big fan of the of the definition. I thought it was like very cliche, but it, it's true that for the last two years I have been living in temporary rentings and moving from city and country often. So yeah, yeah I, I think I could say I'm a digital nomad. Very cool, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. Over a year ago, you left Argentina. You had a job in Argentina, yeah, and in Buenos Aires, and you went on a trip on a very long trip. Yeah. So <laughs> can you tell us quickly, well, not quickly, but briefly, because we will talk more about it later on, what this trip consisted of and, and kind of what was your kind of, yeah thinking behind it? Well, there were several reasons behind doing this trip. This trip was my first, how you call it, um, break or mini retirement. I have been working since I finished high school, since I am like 18 years old. And I worked for several years, always on IT. I have been saving some money. And after around eight years, something like that, I decided that I have had enough living in, in Argentina, living in Buenos Aires. I love the country and the city, but I just wanted to explore the world. So I decided that I wanted to move to Europe. And I closed my company there in Buenos Aires. Uh, it took a few months of paperwork. And then I was ready to start my trip. Instead of just coming to Europe and settling down somewhere, I decided that the first year I wanted to, to explore the continent as much as I could so I can make a, an informed decision, let's say, uh, of where I wanted to live or settle down. So I took a career break, a one-year career break, and I spent all that year traveling around the European continent, uh, trying to visit 
as much places as I could, uh, but also at the same time uh, trying to stay enough in each of these places to really get the the local vibe and uh, the feeling of how it would be to to live or visit here in the future for tourism or whatever. And I think the result was pretty good. I mean, in comparison to my expectations, I think I, I did almost everything I, I wanted to, to achieve. Of course, I knew from the beginning that one year to visit all the European continent, it's not enough. It's uh, even though like in maybe in square kilometers, it's not that uh, big, the European continent. I think it's almost the same size as the United States. In one year, it's definitely not enough to visit every country uh, for a decent amount of time. Uh, it's like 44 countries, something like that, depends on how you measure them. And yeah, so I think in total, I visit 30 something. So I was close, but definitely I still have. Uh, some on my list. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Thirty something countries, definitely more than I've done. Uh, and you, so you embarked on a journey like around Europe, and I met you, I think, about one month into your journey. So Pablo was going through the UK, and I was living in Edinburgh, and I hosted him on couchsurfing, and that's how I met Pablo. Uh, and so, can you quickly tell us like what the route was? You you landed. I can't remember where you landed. I think you landed in. Barcelona or in Spain, right? Madrid? Yeah, in Ber Berlin. Oh, Berlin. Actually. You landed that in was, Berlin. That was, uh, yeah, that was the beginning of my trip. UK. And then how, how, what else did you do? I know there was a lot of countries. You don't have to say every single one, but kind of the yeah. movement, the direction. Was there a specific? Yeah. So so basically my my roadmap uh, was, uh, was a mix between planning and improvisation. I focus a lot on the weather, I guess because I came from South America or whatever. I, I'm not, I don't really like the, the cold weather or the rain, uh, the cloudy weather. Yeah. So I try to avoid it as much as possible. And I try to stay in summer as much as possible. The problem is that uh, when I started my trip, it was uh, April. And it's like, it's not summer, it's not winter, it's, uh, it's still like, the, the weather is like still in the north, still cold. So I was trying to figure out, okay, where can I go? And hopefully I'm not offending anybody, but I was thinking, uh, okay, the weather is going to be shitty everywhere. Let's go to the country that the weather is always shitty. So let's go to UK first. And that's why I, after Berlin that I stayed only for a few days uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do next, I start with UK. And what I did in almost every country is to, I, I not only visit the capital cities, uh, but I also try to visit more, more cities that are particularly interesting for me for, or famous or, or, or whatever. So I don't know, UK probably I visit like 30 cities, uh, something like that. And, and I start I think in London, and then I start moving by train, uh, heading south and heading north, and yeah, this is basically all UK and Ireland. And yeah, that's where, where we met in Edinburgh, it was already like one month of traveling, I think. Yeah, you even went to Dundee, I remember, which is like, I haven't even been to Dundee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happened to me a lot. Uh, I have met people all along the trip and people who check my blog and see the cities I am. Some some of them I'm super surprised. It's like, oh, you have been here. Like, how you even hear about that town? Yeah, like, how no do you even hear that exists? I think it happened to me in uh, Bradford, 
Bradford upon Avon yeah. or something like that, uh, which is not Stratford uh, but, uh, on Avon, but it's, it's similar uh, the name. And it's like nobody goes there, and it's like, why did you go there? And it's like I don't know. Like it was a Sunday. There was like nothing to do. I was yeah. in bath, I think, or something like that. And it's like, what can I do? And I asked people, and they say, oh, you can go there. Okay. And I there went there for like a day trip or something. Nice. But yeah. So after the UK, I mean, w- w- I want to move on to like how you planned it. But just yep. before, like you, you went from the UK and then where else did you go? Like what was the direction? Yeah. So basically, as I said, putting focus on the weather. Um, after UK, I think I went to Italy. So I went to Sardinia. Uh, so it was already like May, something like that. And for a lot of people, especially Italians, the, the sea, the weather in May is cold. But for me, it was perfect. It was like a perfect spring. It was like 20 Celsius something. The water was nice. So I basically started enjoying the spring uh, all around Italy, which I think is perfect because it's not, uh, it's not summer, so it's not so hot. It's not so touristic yet. Yeah, so I spent like one month and a half in Italy, uh, the same as UK, like visiting a lot of cities, moving by train, car, plane, everything. Yeah, after that, I went to Malta, and then I start heading north because we were already approaching the summer. So I spent July and August in Northern Europe. I started in Netherlands, uh, and I did a, a short road trip from the Netherlands, going through Germany to through Denmark, through Sweden, and finally Norway. And well, my original idea was uh, to keep with this car I just bought, uh, driving around Europe. But long story that is not uh, related to the podcast. Then I um, sold the car and I continued my trip uh, by train, plane. So I stayed during the the summer in Northern Europe, uh, Scandinavia and Finland and, and then the Baltics. And then I continued through, through Eastern Europe and then Central Europe. And we were already like in autumn, I think, which also, again, it was, uh, it was a good weather for being in, uh, in Central Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, not too cold, not too hot. And yeah, winter, at the end of uh, autumn, uh, I decided to move to, to go to Spain and de- do the Camino de Santiago, Santiago's Way, I think it's the name in English. And that took me like one month. And then it was already, when I finished, it was already like uh, December. The winter was starting. Uh, besides a short, uh, uh, yeah. So yeah, besides some short visits I did around Spain, I moved quickly to Canary Islands. So I spent New Year's Eve there. And actually I made a short visit to Berlin on the 31st. Because my plane to Canary Islands depart from there, and we met on New Year's Eve. Oh yeah, I remember. I don't yeah, know if you yeah, remember. I do remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a nice coincidence, right? We were both in the same place. Yeah, that was maybe. that was super crazy because I found these uh, really cheap tickets to Canary Islands. I never been there. It was not on my original plan of going there, but it's like fifteen euros. Yeah. It's uh, it's nothing, or right? an air flight. Mm-hmm. It's like a five hour flight. It's like thousands of kilometers so it's like yeah fuck it i'm going (laughs) and the weather the weather was perfect you know it's like so i was i think in poland and i arrived uh to berlin because the flight was from berlin i stayed the day in berlin i hang out with you i love berlin so i didn't mind to do that and then in the evening i took a plane to canary islands and yeah i stayed there for 
two weeks, something like that. And then I moved to the south of Spain, keep traveling around that, Barcelona, then went to Andorra for skiing with some friends. And then we were already like in February, almost at the end of my trip, last two months. I went to the Balkans basically for the last two months. So I start with uh, Slovenia and then I start uh, moving around around there. Yeah, and my last stop was uh, Greece in March. And originally I was supposed to stay here one week and then took a plane to Argentina to visit uh, friends and family after one year of traveling through Europe. But then Corona happened, so I decided to stay in Greece. But a pretty good place to stay, right? I think it's the best place to stay in during yeah, Corona times. I was in, in Crete at the moment when Corona happened, and I found a really nice town that I really like it. And I decided to, instead of having this repatriation flights to Argentina and going to Argentina and staying in an apartment inside for, I don't know, during the whole quarantine, I just rent a house there and I was yeah. on the beach for like, I don't know, two months. <laughs> okay, so obviously, yeah, we now kind of know what you were doing. Um, and I, I guess a lot of our listeners will now be curious as to how you kind of manage the financials. So would you mind telling us like how much you saved up and how you were budgeting for every month? So there is something really personal about me that is that I hate financial micromanagement. I am not the kind of person who is like spending something during a trip and wrote it down on an app or in a notepad or, or whatever. I have trouble with that people and some people enjoy it and some people like it to keep track of all the expenses and everything. But uh, for me, it's like for, for low amounts, it's, it's not worth it at all. And I don't have so many big amounts and the only, the only ones I have, I, I remember them. So uh, I, I, I didn't keep track at all of my finances during the trip. And to make it worse, during the first months, I was, uh, because of some issues, long story, without a bank account. So most of my, I, I had one, but I almost didn't use it. So most of my expenses were in cash. And keeping track of cash is like almost impossible. Yeah. Uh, you have to write okay. down everything like, oh, I just spent one euro for a yeah, subway. Yeah, sure. uh, yeah whatever. So I think on average, I spent between 2,000 and 3,000 euros per month. Some months, maybe more, some months, maybe less. My goal for the, for the whole trip was to do the trip keeping the same lifestyle and living cost that I have in Argentina. Um, so in Argentina, I was living every month with uh, around 2,000 euros, 3,000 euros it's hard to calculate it now because we have a lot of inflation <laughs> and devaluation, but, uh, but I, I think it's, it's, the number is around there. So I was, I was trying to keep that uh, lifestyle, like, you know, like renting a nice apartment, uh, going out for dinner to a bar, like yeah, if I would yeah. be at home, you know, not if when you are like traveling low budget or something. And I accomplished that. I was really comfortable, let's say, and happy during my whole trip with that. And of course, the biggest expense I have was um, accommodation. Uh, it's not the same renting an apartment in a long-term contract for like two years than renting all, all the time really short contracts like Airbnb or hotels. It, obviously, it's more expensive. So that's for sure where the biggest portion of my budget went to. I've, I wrote an article in my LinkedIn page where I detail more about uh, 
the expenses and the itinerary and, and a lot of things that we, we probably have discussed or we are going to discuss soon. Yeah, we will. I'll, I'll let, we'll, we'll talk about your blog later. But what I find interesting here is that you had, you, you took a certain kind of lifestyle to traveling because many times in the FI community, people uh, are, uh, and, and we include ourselves, the co-hosts, um, very penny pinching and, and careful with what we're spending because many of us maybe want to retire completely from working and then travel. And if you're going to do that, sometimes you have to sacrifice on your budget and maybe spend less. Uh, but you took the approach of, look, I'm going to really go all in on this and I want to enjoy my lifestyle. Uh, I'm going to save up a lot of money and I'm just going to travel however I want without having to worry too much. And I think that's that's just a really interesting approach. And, and I like it. And it makes sense, honestly, more and more, I'm moving towards that kind of mindset, too, because it's just it's it's just more comfortable and, and you enjoy yourself. I mean, it depends. I mean, also, if you have a family, right? I mean, you are you are traveling alone, right? Uh, most of the time, most of the time, not all the time. But it's easier, I guess, when you have fewer responsibilities, if you have more responsibilities. No, absolutely. Like uh, the reason is that uh, I was in in that stage in life that it it was ideal for me to to do it like that way, and um, also one of the reasons why I decided to to invest to to spend that much on the on the trip. Let's say. It's because I always I always see the trip as an investment, not not like an an, an spending. I, I, I was not feeling that I was wasting my money. I felt that uh, this one year experience traveling around Europe, it was going to be not only personally fulfilling and it will make me super happy because I love to travel, but also I, I have always seen it like a, an investment for my future, for my career, for everything. I was planning to move to Europe. And before arriving here, I didn't know the difference between Europe and European Union. And now after the trip, I know from memory all the countries in Europe, <laughs> European Union, the capitals, everything. And I don't even try to learn it. It's just like it's something natural after you spend so much traveling and meeting people from around. I learn a lot, honestly. So I'm super happy. And I think, yeah, it was the return of investment was way bigger than I was expecting. That's really cool. So we'll talk a bit about that now. Um, you, I, I find it interesting that you say that this was an investment because most people in the FI community would see this more as a leisure, as as kind of a hobby that you do once you've finished working, maybe. Uh, but for you, it was really a proper investment. So I'd, I'd love to learn a bit more about, you know, this mini retirement. How how was it an investment? What is the ROI? What did you learn about maybe yourself and even your career? Yeah, it's not only an investment, but I must say it's it's also a high risk investment because I I was spending all my life savings basically. I don't have like I didn't I I could have like make maybe a, a less pretentious trip and spare some money for my future just in case, you know. But uh, that's really not my style. I think that I am I am young. And I am like all or nothing. So it's I, I thought like, okay, I'm going just to invest everything I got on the trip. I know that, uh, I, I don't know how, but I know that at the end, it's going to pay off. Uh, and that's what I did. And in the worst case, I would have to start from zero again, which I didn't mind either. So I don't know. I think like at this stage in life and especially maybe with all this uncertainty right now about uh, Corona and the world and everything, the best investment you can do is, is always investing in yourself. And of course, among investing in yourself, 
probably the best investment you can do is is invest on on knowledge or experiences because that's always going to stay with you in your life uh maybe in the future you got hit by a car and you get uh, disabled and whatever but as long as your brain works all the investment you make into your mind into your knowledge into your experience is is going to pay off so i i was seeing it that way i have never been to college and i'm i'm not going to go anytime soon but uh, I also encourage people to to study somehow. It doesn't have to be like the typical traditional path. Like I finish high school, I go to college uh, for four, then I do my master for two more years, and then I find a job as an intern and blah, blah, blah. There's like a lot of possibilities. And nowadays, especially remotely and everything, you, you can do, you can invest in your knowledge and experiences. Yeah. Different kinds sure. of ways. And and in terms of career-wise, how do you feel? Because um, I'm just imagining, you know, people listening to this who are considering doing a mini-retirement. And maybe someone wants to do a mini-retirement to take a break from work because they're just tired of it. But maybe they want to take a break mm-hmm. from work to rethink their options and think, okay, I mean, I like what I do and it's okay, but I really, I want something else. And maybe they take a one-year break to, to take a break and to think about it. So I'm curious to hear kind of what... Has it made you rethink your career? And how do you think it's impacted that kind of area of your life? That was a really huge also motivation for my trip to try to discover, find. It's like you, you're living your life in automatic pilot. And from time to time, I think it's good to, to, to stop and think like, okay, what do I'm doing? Like, is what I'm doing what I want to do? Or I'm just doing it uh, because I'm just following the flow? So for me, that was like that. I worked my whole life on IT. Uh, I love IT. I love computers since I'm super young. And it never honestly feel like working. It was always feeling like I'm having fun. Uh, but at some point, I said, like, okay, maybe I should stop and reconsider maybe other options. Maybe I, I want to change industries or whatever. And I think the trip for doing that, it's, it's great. So I, I took this one-year trip to think about it, no working at all. I put my, myself a goal of uh, no working during the trip on purpose, not because I couldn't, but on purpose not to work. So I can honestly focus on discovering and exploring without any previous bias uh, from my previous uh, occupation or career. It's good because in my, case, my particular case, my conclusions were that uh, I still love IT and I'm still going to keep working on IT, but I also discover other passions that I have that I will start uh, working on them like like a hobby maybe, not for living, but uh, I'm, for example, starting now uh, an environmental organization. That's one of the conclusions for my trip. Uh, it's like, okay, I love IT, but I also realize that I want to do something better for the environment. And how can I combine these two things? Okay, let's start a, an environmental organization, non-for-profit, that would focus uh, on, a, on an IT uh, technology approach to the, to the problem. So yeah, um, it's definitely uh, worth it. I, and I think I definitely recommend it for everybody. To, to make a short break from time to time, to completely not working during that time or what you were previously doing. And that will definitely allow you to, to, to reflect and start questioning yourself a lot of things like mm-hmm. why I was doing this or why I was doing it this way or why not this. And in some cases, the conclusions are going to be to reinforce 
what you were doing, and then you start going to do what you were doing more with more confidence and more energy and more motivation. Or in some cases, it's going to completely change your shift and you're going to move completely to another industry. Um, who knows? It doesn't have to be one year. For me, like one year was, uh, was nice because it was enough time to visit a lot of Europe, but it could be even one month. And, and what would you say to maybe someone's like, I don't know if I should keep working at my job like more years, save up as much as I can and completely quit from the working world so that I can then travel and do whatever I want forever. Or, you know, stop now for maybe a year or six months, take a break and go back to working. I know it's it's not as simple as that. And there's always nuance. But what would you what would you say to that? And and what would you say to someone who maybe would prefer retiring early rather than doing many retirements? Yeah, well, this is uh, also like a, a bit very personal because everybody has uh, different styles here. And also, again, it, it's about uh, how much risk are you willing to take. But for me, it's uh, you can you can work and s- start saving now with your current current knowledge and experience, and maybe you are saving. I don't know, just a completely random example. You are saving hundred euros a month, and that's fine. And maybe after several years, I don't know. 10 years, you have 10,000 euros. And that's fine. It's good. For some people, it's a lot of money, and, and I respect that. But I'm more of, a, of the kind of person who is like, okay, I will invest these 10,000 euros or even less. I, I will invest whatever I have so far, maybe 5,000, 2,000 euros in generating more money somehow. I, I'm, not, I'm not happy with just saving 100 euros a month. I want to get more knowledge, more experience, get a better job, whatever, and start saving 10,000 uh, euros a month, not 100. So I would always focus on, in the short, middle term, on that, on generating as much as I can, instead mm-hmm. of saving as much as I can. There is a popular quote that says, uh, money brings money, or you need money to make money. That's another popular one. And I completely agree on that, basically. Uh, I should, instead of and maybe this is completely against your podcast uh, philosophy, uh, but but yeah, I, I I never, for example, in my life have a monthly budget where I save some money like at the beginning of the month or a year or or anything. I was because in my mind always the focus was I'm not going to waste. M- energy in my mind and time trying to save money. I'm going to spend every resource I have, either uh, mental capacity or current money or current time, into generating more. And then, again, it depends on when would you like to retire. Uh, Some people want to retire at 40s and don't work ever again and enjoy the beach. I don't know. Uh, Personally, I think I will never be able to do that. I think I will be 80 and I will still continue working because uh, if you work on something you you like or you love, it's it's something that you would like to continue doing besides if you got the money to to survive or not. That's something that also you can learn from uh, doing a long trip when you force yourself to not work. And maybe that that could be nice to to do, like you say, like a mini retirement before making an actual retirement. 
And there you realize that without working, actually, it's, it's really hard, your life. Uh, <laughs> at the beginning, at the beginning, the it's first boring. months of my trip. Yeah. It's not even, yeah, yeah. Boring is what, yeah. Like I, I was craving like at the, at the first two months, like for having, for replying some emails. It's like I miss replying emails. Uh, I hate this life. It's like you're all the time enjoying doing nothing. I just, I don't feel productive. So yeah, I, I, to to deal with that, I try to keep myself busy doing different stuff, uh, having a blog and all that. But that doesn't compensate anyway the the feeling, the satisfaction when you are creating something, when you are adding value to something or doing something productive. Uh, you can spend all your retirement or your mini retirement on the beach or, or enjoying. Uh, I don't know if somebody actually can do that, but personally, I definitely not. I mean, I think it's also different if you have children. Uh, if you are retired and early and you have children, I don't think you would get bored because you have, you're always occupied, right? Okay, of course, of course. You, 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 spend, you invest your time in your family, of course, of yes. course. Again, it really depends on which stage in your life uh, you yeah. are. But uh, also my concept in general is that we are always going to have time for the future. It's not like previous generations where the, the men die at 40s because bad health or because they have to go to war or anything that you are worried on retiring early so you can enjoy the time with your family. Nowadays, uh, the life average expectancy, it's like around 80 years old, 90 years old. So, and we are getting older in better shape also physically and mental. So it's not that you, uh, if you don't retire at 40, uh, you're not going to be able to enjoy your family. You could also retire at 50, 60. It, it really depends on the person. But I, I don't think, as a general rule, I think that times are technology and life improvements have, uh, have extended that time. For sure. There, there's something that you told me, I remember, like a few months ago, and I think it, it, it was really interesting. And you said that, for example, in Buenos Aires, you uh, you moved area, you moved to a new flat, and you told me you wouldn't have, you would have had to eat beans and rice every day to afford that flat, because uh, it was so expensive. Yeah. But it put you in such a good area of Buenos Aires that you immediately started to meet other people who could help you grow your business, and it eventually paid for itself. And that's what you were saying when, you know, money brings more money, that if you spend, yeah, maybe budget-wise, it doesn't make any sense. But um, if you put, if it, you know, by spending money correctly, I guess, and putting yourself in the right kind of circles, you immediately made some deals, or I can't remember how you said it, you made some deals and your it paid over, the ROI was yeah, enormous. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting because it's completely the opposite of what we, of what other people will say. But I, I honestly think it makes a lot of sense. Well, would you like to expand a bit on that? Or Yeah, that's a, that's a good example. Basically, I finished high school, I was 18. I was living in Patagonia in Argentina. And I wanted to move to Buenos Aires because it's a capital city. It's where everything happens. Like, you know, what you see on the news in Patagonia is things that are happening in Buenos Aires. And I wanted to be where things happen. I didn't want to be an spectator of my life or my own country. So I moved to Buenos Aires where all the money is, where all the big companies are, where everything is. And I found a job and this job was in the city. But by that time, I was just a student. I didn't have any money to live on the city by my own. So I started living wait, with... Wait, uh, you weren't a student, right? Just to clarify. Yeah, I, I just finished high school. So oh, I was high like school 18. student, not university. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go on, go on. Yeah. So I started living with my grandparents in the suburbs. 
and having working in in the city and it was nice for a while I, and I did that for like around six months because I honestly didn't have the money to to pay for an apartment and what I realized it was again something similar was happening to me that when happened in Patagonia that it's like even if I am in the same province now even if I'm like just the difference one hour commute between the suburbs and the city I was missing a lot all the social life I wanted everything and not only in terms of social but networking environment let's say was in the city I remember several times that I was in like after office meetings where there was a lot of interesting people that works on the IT industry. And I wanted to stay more hanging out there with them to, to keep learning and knowing them and everything. But I couldn't because I had to take back to take a train back to my city because after 10 p.m. there were no more trains. So I was missing a lot on that. And I said, okay, fuck it. I'm going to invest now on saving as much as I can to be able to move to the city. And that's what I did. But by that time, again, I was 18, I was, I was earning not too much money, and the apartment I found was, I think, 70% of my salary. So, and it was not a nice apartment, it was probably the cheapest apartment you can find in, in the city, but it was close to my work, so that also helped me a lot to be able to work more. Uh, to focus more on my work, to save one hour commute, I, that hour that I save every day, uh, or two hours actually a day, I, I invested in working. Yeah. And that was definitely an improvement because it, it was like a success of steps like that, that ended up bringing me where, where I'm here today. Yeah, I would, have, I would have never been here right now, honestly, if I wouldn't have moved to the city, if I wouldn't but been in that shitty apartment where there were prostitutes living next to me. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and I was eating rice every day because it was like cheap. And I didn't even have a fridge because I couldn't afford one. So I, I couldn't buy fresh food. So I would, that's why also the reason why I was eating rice every day. <laughs> yeah, but it, it paid off. Like a step by step, like maybe after I think six months or one year, which is pretty quickly, I guess. I already moved to a better apartment and I keep doing like that, you know, until at some point I was living in the most expensive neighborhood in Buenos Aires. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that because it, it really, like the traditional personal finance advice is you don't want your, your living cost to be more than, I can't remember what it is, 50% or no, not more than 50% for sure. Yeah, they say 40. like a 40% rule. Yeah, right. They say like but the then, 40% rule. Exactly, yeah. something like that. And then this com this completely proves that, I mean, it does depend on every situation and obviously, but sometimes you need to take the risk and you need to be like, whatever. I have, I, yeah, I have a funny history related with that. And it's that to rent this apartment, which is really cheap anyway, my salary was not enough because they tell you to rent this apartment, you have to have a, a monthly salary that is at least uh, three times higher than that your renting cost. So, so the, the renting cost is like 30% of your salary, so you don't have problems to pay it. Yeah. But the renting cost was like 70 or 80% of my salary. So I had to Photoshop oh my, my, my salary statements uh, to show them that it was like only 30%. Like I, I had some zeros to my salary in order to be able to rent it. And then I was leaving with 30% of my salary in terms of buying food and everything else I need. But again, when you're young, you don't have much expenses. And you can always manage. It's, it's not that you're going to be a homeless first because you already have a roof. That's why you're paying 70%. <laughs> and yeah, you, you, at the beginning, of course, you sacrifice some luxuries and you don't, you don't go out for dinner or things like that. 
but uh, it's not that bad. So yeah, I definitely encourage encourage I mean, to do that. I don't know if we encourage photoshopping, but uh, <laughs> maybe sometimes. <laughs> well, technically, technically, it's illegal. Yes, although, it's very illegal. although, uh, al- although I never, I never uh, default my my landlord. Like I always pay him on time all the money of the of the renting. So it was it was my own issue how I managed my finance to live only with hundred euros a month for buying food and everything. It was my own issue. As soon as I pay him every month, I, I didn't see uh, why it was wrong what I was doing. Yeah, of course. It's just that I mean it is a very high risk. So it's it, it, you have to be able to kind of tell your understand your own situation and, and make a calculated risk, I guess, because yeah, well, when you're a teen, you got nothing to lose. And still, nowadays, some people honestly have nothing yeah, to lose. Like me right now, I'm, I'm 27. I got nothing to lose. I don't have a family behind me. I don't have an apartment. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. I could just do exactly the same thing tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, before we, we get on to our final questions, I'm just curious if you've got any kind of uh, tips to anyone else who might be considering doing a mini retirement of maybe six to 12 months, maybe even around Europe. What are some things that you think uh, maybe you wish you had heard before starting out or something like that? Some general advice. For a retirement uh, and traveling at the same time, I would really focus on the traveling part. Uh, I think in general, we have the tendency that, oh, okay, finally I got time break. I will visit everything I always wanted. And then you start doing it and, and you realize that that's not a, an achievable goal because uh, traveling, when you're doing like intensely, like moving seat, every city every two nights, it's really intense and it's really stressful and then you end up not enjoying it. So if you are combining a retire mini retirement with traveling, I will my first advice regarding the, the trip to be able to be able to enjoy would be not to put much pressure on yourself on visiting a lot of places. Just focus on less but more quality. Yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, for sure. So maybe more like slow travel. Stay somewhere for two weeks or even a month. And then maybe make some yeah, real exactly. friends, right? And travel. yeah, and and also like, what are your focus or what what is your goal for for this yeah. trip? In my case, it was that I wanted to know Europe as much as I can, uh, and that's why the reason why that I did the decisions I made. But I made every decision with that goal in mind. That okay, staying here is not going to help me to to know Europe more because I already stay in this city for one week. I already know the city. I already know the vibe of it. Of course, it's not the same staying one month and one week, but still, I got already an impression. Uh, so for my personal goal was, okay, one week per city or something like that was okay. But always with this, with this global thought in mind, that what was my goal. For some people, the goal may be... I don't know. It's really, it's really personal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Pablo. We're going to jump on to our three final questions. And our first one is, where can people find you online if they want to reach out? I know you've got a pretty cool website. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So basically, I realized here in Europe, I always had the problem that because I have a Spanish surname, it's really hard for people to write it down, to spell it, to understand it, to pronounce. So I just... To simplify that process, I just make myself a new website that is pablo.berlin, 
as simple and as short as that is using the new domains now. So it's not .com, it's not done nothing. It's just pavla.berlin. You put that into the browser and it works. And it you have my website there. And there you can find all my contact information like email, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. Well, I'm putting it up and it says 403 forbidden, but maybe you'll fix that. Yeah, I, I still okay. need to upload okay. some things, yeah. Um, great. Our second question is, what is one resource not well known that you would recommend to others? It could be a blog, a podcast, a website. Uh, well, for doing a mini retirement or traveling for long, I definitely recommend two things. First is kiwi.com. It's a website. It's similar to Kayak, but I hate Kayak. It's owned by Booking, and I hate Booking as well. Uh Kiwi has a really quality product and they have a feature that I love that is what why the reason why I use it that is called Nomad. So basically you tell them I want to visit these cities and I want to stay in these cities for this amount of time like one week per city find the cheapest and the most convenient route to visit all these places. So they automatically check all the buses, trains, and planes from one city to another city, but all the all the different possibilities. So you can do, I don't know, Rome, Paris, London, or maybe it's cheaper to do uh, London, Paris, Rome, or whatever. They check all the combi- possible combinations and find the, the cheapest one and the most convenient one also in terms of hours. So I used that website a lot during my trip. It was really helpful. And this feature called Nomad uh, is the one I recommend. And I only seen it in, on this website. I don't know if now with Corona what is going to happen and everything, but uh, if everything goes back to normal, uh, definitely that's a worth looking feature for people who is also flexible with uh, the times and everything like I was. And the other resource I would recommend is audiobooks. Audible.com, it's an amazing application. It's owned by Amazon for listening audiobooks. And at the beginning, I was a bit skeptical about audiobooks. I was like thinking, okay, maybe it's going to be best reading because the knowledge on your brain, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, it has been great. And for me, it has been really, really convenient when you're traveling, especially because it's in some cases, like in public transport or whatever, reading from a book, from a tablet, it can be annoying yeah. with the movement and everything. And right on that audiobook, you can even like walk at the same time you're listening it. So you can explore the city, walk a lot, and at the same time you're uh, listening the book. So yeah, those are the two resources that not many people use. For sure, yeah. I don't know why, but... I remember I really you telling recommend. me that you were listening to audiobooks on your Camino de Santiago, which is like a good, a perfect combination, right? Yeah, I was like walking six hours a day, but I could not, I could not yeah, hold a, a book while I walk. But there was nothing to do. So it was like, okay, audiobook <laughs> is perfect. I can listen to it and walk yeah, at the same that's time. Great. That's great. Okay, our last question is, what, uh, what is your number one actionable tip for someone to start planning their mini retirement? Okay, my, my first tip would be, or suggestion would be, don't be scared. Because... Uh, in my case, actually, the mini retirement was improvised. I didn't plan it. Like I think all the planning before doing it was after I decided to close the company, and it was like only one month of planning. Uh, it was not like a, a long decision that I planned my whole life. Uh, so, and I was open, and I was not scared to do something new and and crazy like that. So, my first my first suggestion, I think, from my personal experience, would be: uh, don't be scared. Don't think that is uh, the challenge is too high or what. 
whatever because at the end once you're doing it you you realize that it was not that hard or it was not that scary or challenging that you you definitely could do it great i think that with with that in with that in mind uh with that the first the first thing in mind that uh, always be open uh for that challenge uh i think the rest of the of the other things will will eventually i I mean i agree i think that um you know if you're if you have the guts you know you can if you're not too scared yeah then then you can do it. Uh, that's the hard part. But um, great. Well, thank you so much, Pablo. It's been a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. And uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for inviting me. Hey, Matthias, do you think there are no financial independence Facebook groups yet? Yes, there's definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content. Gotcha. And also, we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups, on Reddits, in Facebook groups, the Fire Europe retreat, obviously, we organized. And this is, in the end, the main reason why we started the whole podcast project, to talk to guys like you, uh, learn more from you, case studies, answer questions, and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger, smarter, and hopefully also richer people. So, you know, Matthias, say I'm interested in this. Where do I find this Facebook group? Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe Podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe Podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review. Following us on Instagram and Twitter at Financial Independence Europe. Sending us an email with questions and feedback. We would love to hear from you. All the mentioned articles, books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu. Thank you for listening and see you next time.